Hi, Gary Zacharias with The Apologist Bookshelf. I want to cover a small book, but the smallness doesn't indicate anything bad about it. It is wonderful. Page after page of good wisdom from Greg Kokel, who's the founder and president of Stand to Reason. Uh, great writer, great thinker, good speaker. We've had him at our church and done a lot of things with him. A great person. He's got this thin book. It's called 13 Essays for Christian Thinkers. Actually, that's the subtitle. It's called Faith is Not Wishing, and it's excellent. Uh, it deals with so many issues that we are hearing today, and he covers them in roughly, let's see how many pages here, just about 100 pages, and uh, ones that you could build a small group around, uh, whatever. It's just great, great stuff. Anybody can get something out of this book. So it's got a chapter called Faith is Not Wishing. That's their title. How about this one? Is God Just a Crutch? Was Jesus a fraud? The deity of Christ, case closed. The heathen and the unknown God. Is Christianity cruel? Where was God? Who says God is good? Christianity's real record. Science held hostage. The vanishing pro-life apologist. Why hate shouldn't be a crime. And then one of my favorites, the intolerance of tolerance. These are all good. We've used them in our apologetics class at our church. I thought we'd just tackle the first chapter right off because that's the title of the, the booklet itself. And by the way, you can get this by going to Greg's organization, Stand to Reason. That's str.org. And uh, ask for uh, Faith is Not Wishing. Excellent book. All right, well, Faith is Not Wishing. So it says, Kokel um, starts off saying that atheists have this wonderful confidence that science is going to keep moving and dispelling the darkness and it's going to silence superstition that science is going to fill in those gaps of knowledge and they're buoyed in this confidence they think there's a kind of an inverse relationship between knowledge and faith if you have more knowledge the less you need of faith faith is just a filler for ignorance gee i don't know so i'm going to have faith that's the idea they see them faith and knowledge as opposites the only place that you could have faith it's when, you don't, when you're in the shadow of ignorance, right? That's their point. This is, uh, Kokel says it's really sad because the same perspective has been often promoted by Christians. They said, if I know that God exists, where's room for faith? Or if I know that Jesus rose from the dead or heaven is real, then there's no room for faith. And the idea that faith and knowledge are opposites. He said, this is false. The opposite of knowledge is not faith, it's ignorance. And the opposite of faith is not knowledge, it's unbelief. He says you could have knowledgeable faith or ignorant unbelief. It says, uh, here's the important part. This is going to be the key to the whole chapter here. Saying knowledge versus faith, that's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, Scripture just affirms the opposite of that. And I think Kokel makes a really good point. He says, I don't like the word faith. It's deeply misunderstood. All right, so we'll get into that as this chapter moves on here. So he said, Faith, at least the way a lot of people see it, is believing the unbelievable, you know, clinging to your convictions. All the evidence is against you. No, 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 you say. It's a leap in the dark, uh, just a blind, desperate lunge. When you have doubts or you have troubles, we're told, just have faith. Just squeeze out some spiritual hope by using your muscles of sheer will. But said that view of faith makes Christian conviction, turns it into just religious wishful thinking. We can hope but we could never know. Someone once said, though, the heart cannot believe that which the mind rejects. If you're not confident the message of Scripture is true, you can't believe it. 
even if you tried. This can't be the right approach, Kokel says. It leaves the Bible without defense, but Peter says we're supposed to make a defense for the hope that we have. And he says, look up the word. He said the biblical word for faith is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. It doesn't mean wishing. This is crucial. It means active trust. He says you can't conjure up trust or manufacture. It's got to be earned. And I would just use an example here. If you see a, a chair that looks, well, maybe it looks older and you're not sure if it's going to hold you and, and you see three or four people bigger than you are come and sit in it and rock it and move around and go on, you, you probably have trust at that point that that chair is going to hold. It's earned trust. So it says you can't exercise the kind of faith that the Bible has in mind unless you're sure reasonably sure at least, that some of the things in there are true. He says we ought to get rid of that phrase, leap of faith from your vocabulary. Biblical faith is based on knowledge, not wishing or blind leaps. Knowledge builds your confidence, and the confidence leads to trust. So God doesn't want you to be a a wishing kind of person. He wants you to be a knowing kind of person, to have a confidence that's based on evidence. And he gives examples. So he doesn't just say, well, that's what the Bible teaches. He give you, gives you some specific examples. So he said, here's one, Exodus 3. So Mo- Moses has been told he's supposed to go be the deliverer for God's people. And he is pretty reluctant. What, what if they won't believe me, he says. I, I don't know what to do. And God says, hey, uh, what, did he, what didn't he say? He didn't say, hey, tell Pharaoh he's just going to have to take this on faith. And tell the Hebrews the same thing. No, that's not what God did. He said, what do you have in your hand? Moses says, a staff. God says, throw it on the ground, and it becomes a serpent. Grab it by its tail, says the Lord. So he does, and it turns into a staff again. So do you notice all these signs? And then when the children of Israel are getting ready to leave, you've got the plagues and all this kind of stuff. And it says more than once that they might know there is a God in Israel, not just believe or hope or wish, that they would know because they've seen the miracles. It wasn't, hey, trust us. It's, look what God's done. Now, will you believe? Will you trust? And the answer is yes. So here's the pattern. Evidence was given, in this case, miracles. And that gave the people knowledge, and then they could put their trust in that. So knowledge went before belief in each of those cases that we were talking about. All right, then let's try another example that he gives here. How about in Mark 2? Go to the New Testament, Greg says. So in Mark 2, there's Jesus. He's speaking to a group of people, and the crowd is blocking the door. There's a paralytic, and they can't get the paralytic to Jesus. So they dig through the roof, and they lower this man down on a pallet. And Jesus is impressed. He says, my son, your sins are forgiven. Well, the scribes there are grumbling. Hey, who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus knows them, knows their hearts. He says, which is easier to say the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or, arise, take up your pallet and walk. Well, how would we respond? Wouldn't it it be easier if you're Jesus just to say, your sins are forgiven? Because nobody will know that. You can boast about that because nobody could check up on it. And Jesus knew it looked like he was taking the easy way out until he says, in order that you may know, there's that word, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he turns to the paralytic, rise, take up your pallet and go home. So it's that same lesson. Jesus proved something that couldn't be seen, the forgiveness of sins, with evidence that could be seen, that supernatural healing. So again, the evidence 
allowed the doubters to know the truth, and then they could put their trust in Jesus. And Paul, uh, sorry, Peter in the, in the book of Acts has that sermon on Pentecost. He says, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God made him, talking about Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So the crowd beheld the evidence. They saw the manifestations of the Spirit right there. They were witnesses. Some of them had seen Jesus after the resurrection, the miracles of Jesus' life, the, all the fulfilled prophecies of Jesus. When the crowd heard all of this, they were pierced to the heart. They knew the truth, and then they believed. And then we see it also in 1 John. So Kokel takes us there. In 1 John, he opens his letter with evidence of what he witnessed himself. He says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld, and what our hands handled concerning the word of life, he says, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. And at the end of his letter, this is First John, this is what John says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? In order that you may know that you have eternal life. Not hope or, or jumping up and down and just think that maybe it'll be the case. Says, I wrote this so that you can know that you have eternal life. So for John, faith wasn't a blind leap. It wasn't wishing on a star. It was grounded on evidence. And when that evidence is so overwhelming as it was for those early followers, then the knowledge is certain. So you go from the Old Testament to the Gospels, from the beginnings of the early church to the epistles of the apostles. Biblical faith, one more time, is not wishing. It's confidence. It's not denying reality. It's discovering reality. It's a sense of certainty that gets grounded in the evidence that Christianity is true, not just true for me, we hear that a lot, but it's really completely true. So, two things here. You have to have knowledge, and then you have to have confidence in what you know. So, obviously, how do you increase confidence? Do you just wish harder? Do you just hope? Do you just stop the, your ears against the sounds of critics? No. You can't just crank up confidence. It's got to be earned. And so he says, as you gather substantiating evidence, your confidence grows automatically and your faith is deepened. Now, I wanted to stop there for just a minute because I've, a, I've done a talk on this uh, same our idea, faith is not wishing. And at this point, as we get to toward the end, and I say, okay, so obviously in Christianity, the idea is gather evidence. And I always say, where would you get evidence? And we spend quite a bit of time on that. For some people, it's books. Others, it might be websites. It might be their pastor. It might be in a small group. But that's our job as Christians. We are in the evidence-gathering business. We can't just go to church, nod our heads, sing our songs, and come home. We have to find it for ourselves. We've got to believe it. We've got to find the overwhelming kind of evidence like Lee Strobel did when he was debating whether there was a God or not. So we've got to gather substantiating evidence. Thank goodness. This is the golden age of apologetics. So many good books are out there. So many wonderful speakers. You can go do a YouTube search and find just people right and left. I hope you go to my website, apologeticsforlife.org. Apologeticsforlife.org. I hope you go to Greg Kokel's site, str.org. Jay Warner Wallace has Cold Case Christianity. Oh, that's a wonderful site too. So uh, equip.org is good. Got questions is good. There are wonderful sites for us to go to. 
and we gather evidence. That's our job. So one more time, faith is not about wishing, Kokel says. It's not about wishing. It's confidence. And facts make the difference. Christianity is a fact-based religion. You're not just wishing on a star. You'll realize Christianity is really true, as Kokel says, and that changes everything. So I'm hoping to come back to this book because I like it. One more time, it's Greg Kokel's book, Faith is Not Wishing. Anything by Kokel is excellent. Uh, if you can ever have him come to your church, uh, that would be a, a wonderful thing as well. But like I said, this book, since it's not overwhelming, it's not going to scare off people, it'd be really good for a small group. Uh, it'd be good for your own personal study, but uh, you would get a lot out of it. So that's Kokel's book, Faith is Not Wishing. Thanks, and uh, talk to you later.